How many of you believe this morning he is worthy of our praise? Um, I was just sitting back there a while ago during that one of those songs that we were singing there. Um, the Lord just blessed my soul. I, I love being in the presence of God with the people of God. Amen. And uh, that is so special. So thankful that the Lord has blessed us this morning uh, with his presence. What a sweet, sweet spirit that is in this place. And uh, I was just thinking about the words that we were singing there. I, I think it, many times, if we're not careful, um, these things become commonplace to us. And we just mouth the words and go through the motions instead of really thinking about what we're singing about, why we are worshiping, who we are worshiping, what he has done for us. Listen to the words of this song. The Bible, uh, that uh, song we were singing says, I will stand redeemed, um, heaven open over me. I want you to think about that. I will rise Stand redeemed. Because of the finished work of Christ, I've been redeemed. I've been bought back. Can you say amen? The Bible says I've been bought with the price. We praise God for that. Heaven open over me. Now because of Jesus, all the blessings of God are coming to me. I can be a part of all the promises of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God. All of that is available for me because of Christ. Then it says, to your name eternally I will forever bring glory and praise. Now, folks, I want you to think about that. To God's name, we're going to continually praise for what he has done. I don't even know, if, if Jesus never does one more thing for me or for you today as children of God, he's done enough for us to praise him throughout all eternity. And so we always need to remember that, man. Stay um, thinking, uh, continually think about who Christ is and what he's done for you while you worship. But it'll change how you worship. I'm telling you, what a blessing it is to be able to sing honor, to honor and glorify him through song. Now take your Bibles this morning, turn with me please to Ephesians chapter number 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Primarily these are the two verses we're going to be looking at um, all day today. This morning I want to talk to us about our purpose, and then tonight we're going to talk about our problem. And Lord willing, by the word of God, his absolute truth, and the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to answer the question, what hinders our holiness? What hinders our holiness? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Watch what the Bible says. And you hath he quickened, if you believe it, say amen this morning. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Then he says in the second verse, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And so the Bible tells us we have been quickened. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your sweet spirit in this place. Holy Spirit, we pray that you have full reign and will in this place to do exactly what you want to do. Your will be done among this people. Lord, would you speak to hearts and change lives? Would you do what I can't do? Would you save souls, break addictions, heal families? Do what we can't, Lord, and that's what we want to see happen right here in these services this morning. Show us who we are, where we are, where we need to be, who we need to be. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. Now in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 1, the Bible says, we have been quickened. He says, and you have been quickened. Now if the Apostle Paul is writing a, a letter to what the Bible says here, um, the Ephesians, he, we know that he's writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to the blood-bought, the born-again, the sanctified, those who have placed their faith in Jesus. And he says to them, you has God quickened. Amen. 
Now, we, if you remember when we went verse by verse, chapter by chapter, straight through Ephesians, we stopped here at Ephesians chapter uh, number 2 and these first two verses for two or three weeks. And we talked about what it means to be quickened. And we said then that it means to be made alive. Now, how do you understand? That's exactly what's happened to the believer. By the power of God, we have been made alive. We have received eternal life. Abundant life that can only come through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. The Bible tells this, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. How many know before Jesus, we were dead, spiritually speaking? Can you say amen to that? All of us were. We came here dead. We came here born into sin, standing in need of a Savior. That's me, you, and everybody else. Anybody who's ever been born of a woman besides the Lord Jesus, who was not born of the seed of man, was born dead in trespasses and sins. Each and every one of us. All of us were. Now then, I've got good news for you. Even though we were dead, even though we were in the dark, because of Jesus, we've been brought to life. And because of Jesus, we've been called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Yeah, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says that. We've been brought out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, we have been born again into the family of God if you've placed your faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is. I, I can just imagine Paul writing this letter. You can almost see the excitement that he's writing with. And you hath he quickened. He's made you alive. He's given you eternal life and abundant life. Now why is that so important? Folks, none of us really know how life is to be lived until we know the creator of life. I didn't. Before Jesus, I was in the dark. Before Jesus, I was certainly spiritually dead. I didn't know what life was all about. I didn't know about peace. I didn't know about joy. I didn't know about purpose. But because of Jesus, all that changed. And, I went, he, and I, when I, even though I was once dead in trespasses, because of Christ, I've been made alive. Wow. I'm so very thankful for that this morning. How about you? It just blows my mind every time I think about it. He has made me alive. We have been quickened, made a part of God's family, brought out of the darkness and into the light. What a blessing it is. Now let me ask you this. Why did God do that? Have you ever thought about it? I think most people view their salvation as nothing more than fire insurance. All they see salvation is, is a means of getting you out of hell and into heaven. Now, how many of you understand, I'm thankful this morning, that I've missed hell and gained heaven because of Jesus. I'm thankful this morning that, listen to me now, I, I, when I leave this walk of life, I have confidence in knowing I'm going to be with Him for an eternity because I've trusted in who He is and what He has done. I'm thankful for all that. Don't get me wrong. But I want you to know today, if there were no heaven and there were no hell, I'd still trust in Jesus. Just to know Him. See, if all salvation is about, if all our walk for, with Christ is about is just to get us out of hell, then why aren't we already in heaven? I mean, if that's the whole purpose of salvation is just to save you from hell, the moment you got saved, God would have took you on to be with Him. But we're here for a reason. Can you say amen to that? We're still here for a purpose. 
So why has God saved us? How many of you have ever prayed this prayer? Maybe you've prayed like I have uh, in the past many times. For, For a long time I prayed like this. Lord, show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to do. Show me what you want me to be. What you have called me to be. I want to know, God. Make it clear to me. And really what, let me share something with you. I'm not against that prayer. Matter of fact, I think that's a very good prayer. How many of you know God does have specific callings for us? No doubt about that. A little over 16 years ago, God called me to preach the gospel. He specifically called me to this purpose in His kingdom, in His body. Can you say amen to that? I'm thankful for it. I had a um, a brother just the other day who told me that God had specifically called him into the mission field. He knew that's where his heart was and what God had for him. And I said, praise God, brother. That's awesome. And I had a lady just a a few weeks ago tell me that she knew her calling was to teach young people. And I said, praise God, sister. Thank God for it. I believe God does call us specifically into certain areas of work in the kingdom. There's no doubt about that. But let me say this. I think a lot of times we sit around waiting for God to speak with this great big booming voice from heaven and give us a vision of what our life is supposed to be. We pray and we ask for that. I I think that's really what I was wanting. I was wanting God to speak with this big booming voice from heaven and say, Israel, this is what I have for you and somehow put it up across the sky, a picture of what I was supposed to be doing. Now how many of you know that's no problem for God? He can handle that. He could have certainly done that. I don't think the problem is that he couldn't handle it, but it's maybe that I couldn't handle it, amen? And then one day, as I was praying, I was was spending time with the Lord, it was almost like a light bulb came on. Do you remember the old cartoons with Wile E. Coyote and the Roadrunner and how the Roadrunner would just be giving Wile E. Coyote the business? And all of a sudden, Wile E. Coyote would get an idea and you would see a picture of a light bulb turning on. That's kind of how I felt. And I realized that God has given me instruction from His Word as to what I am supposed to be, as to what He has called me to do. So until, listen to me now, until God gives you your specific calling, do what you know to do. Do what God says. Sometimes I think we make this too hard. We continually look for what God wants instead of just doing what He says right here in His absolute truth, His precious Word. Can God speak to us? Absolutely. Does God call us specifically? Absolutely. But until He does... Just do what you know to do. Fulfill your purpose. What is that? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And I want to share with you something that just blesses my soul and I hope it does yours as well. I work for the state of Alabama. Most of you know that. I'm thankful for my job. It's a good job. Let let me say this. Brother Steve, maybe you could say amen to this. Some days I'm thankful for my job. Amen. Amen. (laughs) it's a job just like any other. I mean, it has its good days and it has its bad days, but I'm very thankful for it. The Lord uses that to provide for my family and I praise Him for the opportunity. But um, to work for the state of Alabama, you've got to have a sense of humor. Let me tell you why. Because everybody wants to tell you a joke about the state of Alabama. Amen? I've heard all of them. I've heard the one about the seven guys uh, standing around looking with the one guy working. I've heard that one. Some of you have told me that one, praise God. (laughs) 
I've heard all of them. There ain't many I hadn't heard. So this morning, um, because I've got a good sense of humor, and I hope you do as well, I want to tell you one maybe that you haven't heard. Um, John Mays is my wife's uh, grandfather, or was my wife's grandfather. He's passed away, went on to be with the Lord now. He's a great man, loved him dearly. He was uh, as much like my grandfather from the time I stepped foot in his home uh, as he was Brandy's grandfather. I mean, he always treated me like one of the family, and I'm so thankful for that. Good man. And I miss him very much. But I remember him telling me a story right after I got hired with the, with the state. And he said that um, he was a supervisor of a crew that was supposed to go out and do some uh, patching out Highway 278 to fix, do some paving one day. And he said that um, his crew went on ahead of him. And while he was back at the yard taking care of some last-minute details to get the job done that morning. And so they got out on the job site before he did. And as he was leaving the yard, somebody got on the radio and radioed back to him and said, John, we've got a problem out here. We don't have any shovels. And, um, and he said, well, he said, do you got any brooms in your truck? And they said, yeah, we've got some brooms. But he said, we're going to need some shovels. He said, we've got to have shovels if we're going to do some paving. He said, but do you have any brooms? They said, yeah, we've got four or five brooms laying around here, but what good's that going to do us? He said, well, you just prop on them brooms till I bring the shovels out. Now let me tell you what was going on. There was a purpose that had to be fixed that day. There was some, uh, a roadway that needed patching. Can you say amen to that? that? That was the overall goal. That was the overall purpose. But then he gave them some specifics that he wanted them to accomplish. And how many of you know, God does the same thing in our lives. There is a main goal that we all have as believers. And that's what we find right here in Romans chapter 8. Now God does give us specific callings, but let's see the main thing. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 29. Watch what the Bible tells us here. He says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now I want you to think about this. How do you believe this morning that God knows all things about all people for all time? The Bible says it like this. He is omniscient. He knows everything about me. He knows everything about you. He knows what I think, what you think, what you've done, what I've done, what I hadn't done, what you hadn't done. God knows all things about all people. Now then, this God who is omniscient knew before the foundation of the world who would accept Him and who would reject Him. Who would trust in the finished work of His Son and who would reject the finished work of His Son. And the Bible says, in that foreknowledge, God predestined those who trusted in Christ to be conformed to His Son. Now, what's that mean? It, God made it our destiny to be conformed to the image of Jesus. To be made like Jesus. Let me ask you something, child of God. What is your purpose for being saved? Why did God save you? Why did God call you from the darkness to the marvelous light? Why did God bring you from your deadness and trespasses and sins and quicken you and give you new life? Why did He put you as part of His family, making you adopted sons and daughters? Why did He do all that to make you like Jesus? So that you might be conformed to the image of His Son, if I went around the room this morning and I ask you what our purpose was as believers, some might say, well, we're supposed to love God, and I would agree with you. 
Absolutely, we need to love God. Some might say we got to love people. Absolutely, we need to love people. That's two good ones. Some might say, well, I believe we need to be fulfilling the Great Commission, going out and preaching the gospel to men, women, boys, and girls across the street and around the world. Absolutely, I agree with you. All of those things are really good things. Some might say we need to help the poor, feed the hungry. Absolutely, we need to do those things. Let me sum all that up for you. Just be like Jesus. Listen, if we'll start conforming ourselves to the image of Christ, we'll fulfill all those things, thereby fulfilling our main purpose. Keeping the main thing the main thing. How many of you know Jesus loved His heavenly Father and came to fulfill His will? If you don't believe me, you go back and read through the Gospels. You'll see Jesus, God incarnate in the flesh, walking upon this earth as a man. Listen, in the power of the Holy Spirit, being led by His heavenly Father every step of the way. There was a plan in everything that happened. I'm reminded in John chapter 4 when Jesus went to Samaria to speak to the woman at the well. The Bible said He had a must needs to go to Samaria. He had a purpose for going to Samaria. I believe his heavenly father led him to that well in Samaria so that he might share the news of the kingdom with that woman that was there. Amen? He loved his father. He was led by his father. How many know Jesus loved people? Jesus went and preached the gospel message of the kingdom everywhere he went. Jesus fed the hungry. Jesus healed the sick. Cared for those who needed cared for. Jesus did all of that. So if we'll just become like Jesus, be conformed and transformed into the image of Christ, how many of you know we can fulfill our main purpose? So until God gives you your specific calling, do what you know to do. Be conformed, be made and molded into the image of Christ. Let me ask you this. How do you make and mold something? I've got uh, three babies that I love dearly. And my kids, when they were smaller, used to love something called Play-Doh. My brother, I never will forget one time, bought my, uh, I think it was Anna Kate when she was very small, three, four, five years old, brought her a 160-piece set of Play-Doh, Play-Doh. I'm talking about this for Christmas. This thing was this big. There was so much Play-Doh and things to do with Play-Doh. And I mean, it was just a whole mountain of toys when she finally got it out of the box. Now, I'm happy to say my brother is about to have his first child. My uh, sister-in-law is going to be giving birth probably within the next two weeks, maybe this week. We're praying, we're hoping. Um, we can't wait for that baby to get here. But I cannot wait until Christmas time comes so I can return the favor. But he would... <laughs> Anna Kate, when she was three, four, five years old, however old she was, a little bitty thing, she would take that Play-Doh and she would come in and take my order. She'd say, Dad, what do you want to eat? And I'd tell her I want a hamburger and fries or I want this or I want that. And she'd go back then and she'd make and mold that Play-Doh into whatever I had told her I wanted and bring it back to me and we'd play like that. But what she would do, she would take that and form it into a mold. If she was making a hamburger, she had a little hamburger mold in that, in that kit that she could press that Play-Doh out down in and conform it into that image and make it look just like a hamburger patty. Same thing with uh, spaghetti. Y'all know the little spaghetti maker where she'd put it in there and squeeze at the top and all the spaghetti would come out the bottom? What was she doing? She was taking that Play-Doh and conforming it into the image of whatever food I said I wanted. Now the same picture we see right here in Scripture. The Bible says we are to be conformed 
unto the image of Christ. What does that mean? We need some shaping. Can you say amen? All of us do. How many have arrived? Anybody arrived this morning? You're just like Jesus in every way. You're perfect and holy and righteous. Anybody today? I didn't think so. All of us still have growing room. I've come to find out there's a problem in every pulpit and there's a problem in every pew and all of us need the grace of God daily. We haven't arrived. I'm still growing. You're still growing. And God is still shaping us into the image of His blessed Son. How does He do it? Well, He does it by the Word of God for one. Amen? I'm going to tell you something. It's hard for me to pick up God's Word and not see areas of improvement that needs to, to be taken care of in my life. I mean, when I pick up God's Word and I see that I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, I see areas where I need to improve in that. When I pick up God's Word and it tells me that I ought to study to show myself approved unto God a workman who uh, rightly dividing the, need, the Word of truth who needeth not to be ashamed, I, I see I need some improvement in that. Can you say amen? When I pick up God's Word, very seldom is there a time when I don't see there needs to be improvement. And as I take that truth and I apply it to my life, guess what that does? That shapes me to become more like Jesus. So why is it so important that you're in Sunday school? Why is it so important that you're in the worship service? Why is it so important that daily you are spending time with the Lord in His precious Word? It's through that process that we are shaped and molded to become like Jesus Himself. Become pleasing unto God. Fulfill our goal. Our main purpose. And so we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's what God wants. That's what we've been saved for. That is our purpose. I wrote down this week in study for this message. When we become like Christ, our service in the kingdom is not as much about doing but being. I want you to think about that. A lot of times we get so preoccupied with doing, we miss out on the being. When if we would just make it our purpose to be like Jesus, the doing will take care of itself. How do we become more like Jesus? Well, I think it's through spending time with Him. I think it's through that daily Spending time in God's Word, spending time in prayer, allowing Him to work on us, work in us, and work through us so that we might become what He wants. That's our purpose. To be like Jesus. That's what we've been saved for. What's Jesus like? Let me give you three, two things this morning. Three things, excuse me, that I know um, describe the Lord Jesus. First of all, He loves if you believe it, say amen. amen. How many of you know Jesus was God incarnate in the flesh? The Bible says of God that God is love. Jesus was love in the flesh. Now, listen to me. I, what, what I'm so thankful for, Jesus never tells us to do anything that he don't show us how to do it. See, what he did, he would preach a good game, then he'd go live it out. Let me tell you what I figured out. It is very, very easy for me to stand up here and preach God's word to you. I love doing that. 
I'd rather preach and eat when I was hungry. I enjoy this time that we have together when I get to share with you the truth of the Word of God. Let me tell you where the difficult part is. Not up here standing and preaching it at you, but when I go, got to go out and live it myself. Anybody else? How I many know it's easy to pray the prayer in here? It's easy to read the verse in here. It's easy to say amen in here. It's easy to live like God in here because everybody else has come here for this purpose. But when we leave this place, that's when the true test is. That's when it really matters. Hey, when you're having trouble with that knucklehead at your workplace, that one that you just can't get along with, you know the one I'm talking about. That one that's always coming against you. The truth is, sometimes we have problems with the knuckleheads. Sometimes we the knuckleheads. Isn't that right? So it's a struggle to go out and do what we said is right. Not so with Christ. You look at him, what he told you to do, he went out and did it. He did it in his lesson. What's the greatest lesson Jesus ever taught? What's the greatest sermon he ever preached? Well, I believe it's the Sermon on the Mount. In his lesson in Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 43, in verse number 44, let me flip over there and read that to you. He said, You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, but hate thine enemy. Verse 44 tells us like this, But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. I love that. Jesus told us to love our enemies. Now, how many of you know the only way you can love someone who's persecuting you, who's despitefully using you, the only way you can do that is through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. You can't do it in the flesh. You can't do it in your own ability through the sinful nature. That has to be done by the Spirit of God that lives in the believer. Jesus told us to do it in His lesson but he showed us how to do it through his life. Look, look with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 23. Check this out. Luke 23, verse number 33. And look down with me this morning at verse number 33. Luke 23, 33. And when they were come into the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left, verse 34 says, Then said Jesus, watch this now, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now I want you to get the picture. Here you have Jesus who is innocent of all charges. Here you have Jesus who has done absolutely nothing wrong, who has been charged uh, for a crime that he has not committed. Now listen to me. He has been beaten, we learned last week, with the cat of nine tails. Jesus has been spit upon. He's been ridiculed and stripped naked. Now they have drug him up Calvary, and when he gets to the top, they lay him down on a Roman cross and put spikes through his wrist, through his feet, and hang him there between God and earth, between heaven and earth. Now, now let, me, let, me, let me let you in on this. He's done nothing wrong. And he looks down at the men who have just beat him and spit on him and ridiculed him and drove those spikes through his hands and feet. And he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what. What's he doing? He's praying for them who are his enemies. How can he do that? Listen, it was for those men 
that he's hanging on the cross. He told us in his lesson what to do. He showed us through his life what to do. If we're going to be like Christ, we got to do the same thing. Amen? We can't just speak it with our mouths. We've got to live it with our lives. Jesus loved. Let me tell you something else he did. He's holy. 1 Peter chapter number 1. The Bible says, Verse number 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation or in all manner of life, how you live your lives. You are to live holy lives. Watch what he says in verse 16. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Jesus not only is love, but he's also holy. We always want to talk about how, he, how, how he, that, that God is love, but we also got to know he is holy as well. He, he showed that also in how he dealt with people. Do you remember in John chapter 8 when Jesus was there in the temple and the religious leaders of the day came, come dragging a young lady in whom they said had been caught in the very act of adultery and they threw her down there in the, in the center of the temple at the feet of Jesus and they said, the law says we are to stone this woman. She was caught in the very act. And if you remember, Jesus looked uh, at all of them that were standing around this lady and he stooped down and began riding in the sand. And as he was riding in the sand, the Bible says, all those ones that were standing in that circle around this young woman leaves from the eldest to the youngest. And then he looks up at that woman and he says, woman, where are those thine accusers? And she said, there's no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Now what is Jesus showing there when he said, neither do I condemn thee? See, the truth is, all the ones standing in that circle, they wanted to condemn this woman, but they couldn't. Why? Because they had sinned just like she did. And I believe what Jesus was writing there were the sins of all those standing around. They realized they were sinners. They couldn't condemn her. They wanted to condemn her and couldn't. And Jesus was perfect and holy and righteous. He was the only one who could condemn her, but he wouldn't. What was he showing? Well, he's showing love. Amen. How many of you are thankful? The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me tell you what I'm even more thankful for, maybe. John 3, 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. He didn't come to condemn that young woman. He didn't come to condemn me or you. We see that he loves us because, because he didn't condemn us. He came to save us. But let me say something else. Then he looks at that young woman and he says, Go and sin no more. What does that show? 
He's holy. It's not that we are forgiven and just go out and do whatever else we want to do. No. Now go and sin no more. Live a life pleasing unto the Lord. Be holy just as He is holy. Jesus loves, but He is holy. Let me tell you something else He is. He's obedient. I'm not going to flip over there this morning. You can later, but in Matthew uh, chapter number 26, you'll find the story of Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's hours before He's going to the cross. And he bows down there in the garden and he prays to his heavenly father. And he said, Lord, if there's, if, father, if there's any other way that you can do this, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Amen. He was obedient to his heavenly father even when it wasn't easy. Let me ask you this. If you've been saved this morning, are you fulfilling your purpose? Are you becoming and being like Jesus? When I asked myself that question and I took inventory in my life, I saw there were many areas that I was failing in. I wasn't loving like I need to love. I wouldn't live in holy like I've been called to live in certain areas. And I wouldn't be obedient to what God has told me to do. I got good news for you. God's grace is sufficient for us. See, this morning, God is, he's, he's a God of first chances. Y'all know that, don't you? I remember the time when the Holy Spirit of God began convicting my heart, showing me my sin, my great need for a Savior. And He gave me the opportunity to accept Him as my Savior, to trust in Jesus. And I was born again into the family of God. He's a God of first chances. But can I say something else? There have been so many other times in my life as a believer that I failed God. I hadn't loved like I should have. I hadn't walked holy like I should have walked. Listen, I hadn't been, wasn't obedient to the things of God. And I've had to go back and say, Lord, forgive me from where I failed you. I'm telling you, I'm just like um, Oswald Chambers. He said that he had repented a whole lot more after he got saved than when he got saved. And that's true. As a believer, I've got to repent every day. Confess my sin and get right with God. All of us do. So if you're here this morning and you drop the ball, join the crowd. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We all need God's grace. And God's grace is available for you. Everybody stand today. This is your invitation. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus, you've never been redeemed, you know you've never been brought from deadness to life. You know you've never been brought from the darkness to marvelous light. This morning, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. What are you waiting on? Why do you want to spend one more minute in your sin? You don't have to. You can have new life in Christ this morning if you'll trust in Jesus. Now, some of you are here. You are a child of God, and you're just like myself. From time to time, you don't please God in your everyday walk, in your everyday living, decisions and choices that you make. Guess what? God's grace is sufficient for you. And what you need to do is confess your sin, repent of it, get right with God, 
and allow him to work in you and work through you to accomplish his will and purpose in your life. It's for all of us. This invitation is for all of us. Anyone who needs it. This altar is always open. I love a good old-fashioned altar experience. Let me tell you why. Because around the altar is where men and women do business with God. If that's what you need to do this morning, you come. If you'd like for me to pray for you, it'd be my honor. If you're here this morning and you're lost and you're coming to be saved, I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I want to show you in the Word of God what it means to trust in Jesus. I want you to know that you know you've been born again. You can know that today according to the truth of God's Word. If you need that, you come say, Brothers, I need to be saved. I'll show you what that means. If you are a child of God and He's convicted your heart during this service, God just took His... It's funny how the Holy Spirit would do. He'll just take... Like He takes His finger and puts it right on a certain area of your life and say, That's it. He searches the hearts of His people. If you know that's happened to you today, get it right this morning. Let's be what God's called us to be. Let's fulfill our purpose.